Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. We don't like these people and it shows. We believe the best way to expose them is to hold them up to a harsh light, point our index fingers in their general direction, and mock them mercilessly, take them down a peg or two until they cease to exist in any other form than the shit on our shoes. I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and today we're looking at a big week in electoral history. It's big because it's unhinged, all in caps, and will likely have to be escorted from the building by armed guards. What an extraordinary week. First, Anastasia Palaszczuk got the thumbs up from voters. For our American friends out there, they are still counting in Queensland, with no one reaching for their shotguns claiming widespread voter fraud. But it looks like the Queensland Premier has extended her parliamentary majority pretty much on the back of the collapse of the FON vote. And Pauline Hanson thinks the virus is a laughable joke. And not only should we get on with our lives, but we should smear the virus all over our bodies, rub it under our armpits and around our crutches, and let God work it out while staying away from the serious business of campaigning itself. Yep. And in America, we still sadly have Americans, Jack. And they never disappoint, Joel. It's still votes to be counted, but Joe Biden has crossed the 270 Electoral College early on Sunday morning, Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, Jack. Uh, God's time, Joel, we call it. Everyone else is playing catch up. Yeah, bugger him. Donald J. Trump has been vanquished after one term, as far as the count goes, and uh, is the first POTUS to be given the arse after just four years since uh, George H. Bush in um, 1992, old George Herbert. Yes, I'm on a support tense there, Joel. As we know, one termer, George Herbert, was followed eight years later by George W. Could it be that the demise of Donald Trump Sr. is merely ushering in eight glorious years of Donald Trump Jr. as the 47th and last President of the United States? leaving the country a smouldering hulk and Donnie Jr. with a cocaine habit akin to the GDP of Poland. Yeah, he'll no doubt be having uh, Hunter Biden's dealer on speed dial there, but uh, for comedy purposes, I genuinely hope this happens because we will have content for days, Jack. I can't wait, Joel, but we have to wait. We have to tap our toes impatiently and hang on for that wondrous moment because now we have our weekly news. been making news in your neck of the nape, Joel? Well, there are a couple of elections, eh? Uh, the COVID bump seems to have only really swung towards places that have reduced the cases. Yes, unbelievably, the Trumpster received huge voter support in places where the virus is currently raging out of control, which begs the question, if COVID had infected and killed everyone in the continental US of A, would Trump have been elected, Joel? Yeah, so what's the actual chance that the amount of votes he needed is just about the amount of people he's killed at super spreader events? <laughs> I mean, he maybe could have won this. But uh, look, the US remains a bit of a, a fruity place and mm. the election was bound to throw up some pretty funny results down ballot, as the Seppos like to say. And uh, down ballot was uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yes, uh, she was elected she got up. As expected. Yep, yeah, as expected, of course, because she ran unopposed. Yes. But um she had a great first day on Twitter where basically all of her tweets, and there was like nine of them or so, were all fact-checked and obscured by Twitter. Uh, that seems to be an absolute sign of what's to come from the Q caucus of basically talking shit. I, I must say it's bad for democracy, but fuck, she's going to be funny. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I am looking forward to this. I mean, she might run her head in, but hopefully not. The thing that's happening on the Twitterverse as far as the extreme right-wing conspiracy-verse goes is that a lot of the nons are actually losing faith. I mean, ah. like the trust the plan mantra just isn't cutting it anymore. Mm. And faced with the electoral defeat of God Emperor Trump to Sleepy Joe, the faithful are really fucking freaked out. There's been no arrests. Since the first Q drop where they just promised that HRC was going down, this has been a hot issue. And considering that she was meant to go down over the last series of years, this has been a long time for people to hold, trust the plan, keep the face, disinformation is necessary, all that shit. It's starting to become a bit tenuous. It's but- starting to come apart at the seams. I mean, is it over, Joel? Is it over for QAnon? Can they just well- not get over this huge hurdle of Donald Trump getting the ass? We'll just have to see because it's it's really one of those things where um, we just don't know because there's a there's a lot of confidence and there's a lot of fear but the mixture of this like delusional confidence this terrified paranoia and this like absolute abject failure in the QAnon ranks if anything has been delightful to watch but it's it's going to come crashing down I think um, 
I'm going to be following the story. We'll be following the story very closely, mostly so you don't have to, because mm. you have to wade through a lot of smart, casual anti-Semitism before you get oh. the actual scoop on what these fuckheads are saying. So just bear with us, and we'll give you the give you the news as it unfolds. It's bound to keep us amused for a very, very long time. But meanwhile, in the rapid-fire postmortems delving into the disastrous campaign to give Donald Trump 28 more years, I picked up this pearler of goss, Joel. As many of us know, the Trump campaign was running out of money as early as September. Uh, this was due to some of the traditional GOP CPACs or raising or fundraising groups not uh, being entirely convinced the Trumpster was their man. So Trump cohorts came up with a new one in September, Preserve America. And in a move that uh, they would come to regret, appointed Kimberly Guilfoyle. Donnie Jr.'s current squeeze as its chair. Uh, things were going beautifully for about four minutes until red-faced Republican millionaires were made to shift uncomfortably in their seats when the twice-married 51-year-old Guilfoyle offered large donors lap dances. It might have been a joke, but the deeply conservative Republicans didn't see it that way. And it got much worse when Guilfoyle and Donnie Jr., while on the hard sell to donors, were making all sorts of sexual innuendo, including more double entendres than you'd see in a carry-on movie. Get a room, you two! And a fundraising event in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Guilfoyle claimed that she raised a lot of money while sitting in hot tubs and presumably not on her own. Uh, this has all been denied. But if Donnie Sheeler decided to slut up for the G GOP, I say, God bless, go your hardest. I think the only problem is Guilfoyle, the 51-year-old, has the sort of extensive plastic surgery. Her pubic mound now sits probably somewhere around her neck. And no one likes bearded ladies, Joel, or even those with a bit of stubble on their chins. And so the Preserve America CPAC father raised much dough. Donnie Jr. was cast as a sleazy sex-obsessed sex adolescent who speaks way too fast for some reason. Dad missed out on the donor cash. Georgia turned blue and the whole Trump empire crumbled. And now the family waits for the bailiffs to come knocking at the door. And we'll have more of the amusing disaster that was the Trump campaign shortly because now it is time to get the shovels and manics out, rip off our shirts and dig deep, deep into the Earth's core in search of truth in our deeper dive. Fuck me, that was rough. Good Lord. I think we need to take a quick break from the States for our own sanity and take a moment to soak in the Queensland state election. Ah, Queensland, perfect one day. You can't get into it the next. Um, <laughs> uh, just not allowed. Maybe not before Christmas, according to Anastasia Palaszczuk, who was uh, elected with a thumping majority or at least an increased majority last weekend. But, Joel, did the LNP go full conspiracist on the way out the door? On the night, I could not help but to notice a few people throwing a few things we expected that Australia posted a blame. Now, oh, this dear. gives me massive Trumpy vibes because it's we all knew that Donald Trump was going to complain about postals and we all knew that was going to be world news. Watching it unfold in the 51st state of America, Australia, was actually really funny. We had several people coming on, like federal senators and Queenslanders, saying that Australia posted lost votes, they were all going to go to the LNP, and that was, of course, the reason why they were losing. It was fucking embarrassing so look it's fun to see a, a preview reel for the u.s election in our very own queensland yes there it was north of the border they went a little bit crazy u.s style but the big story was the collapse of the the fond vote which uh, went almost without exception to labor the lmp vote didn't budge and we saw uh, well, the sitting, the, the the one sitting member from Fon was re-elected, uh, and his margin hadn't changed very much. But el elsewhere throughout Queensland, the Fon vote collapsed from 15, 16% in seats to about 2 or 3%. And it almost exclusively went to Labor, particularly in those areas like the Sunshine Coast and the Goldie, where a lot of people south of the border have gone to, if not retire, but spend their... Uh, the latter years of their lives. So the 50-plus uh, sort of demographic in those places uh, had all endorsed uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk's uh, decision to shut down the state and go into lockdown. Um, and, uh, and so basically um, these people were all concerned about COVID. Pauline had been telling them, 
uh, not to worry about uh, COVID at all and get on with their lives, but they weren't entirely convinced and, and decided to vote Labor, and it has increased uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk's majority, as I say. Um, but did uh, see Pauline just she just went quiet after the election? She hasn't popped her head up above the uh, barricades for a little while now, and um, uh, has uh, has Fon responded in any way, Joel? Well, I think Pauline's been pretty quiet since she basically fell down Uluru. But um, James Ashby, the sort of uh, chief of staff and representative of all that is terrible in uh, Australian politics there, Mm. he popped up for this fantastic – he really didn't plan this. He really didn't script this. And ABC sort of cut over to him, one of his parties that looked absolutely piss poor because no one was there. And he decided to say a few pearls of wisdom about the election, one of which is that if Labor was to win, it would result in the rape and pillage of fishermen, uh, which I think was probably the moment of the Queensland election. (laughs) Um, I really, I just, I I made a double take and I thought to myself, was I the only one that heard that? Rape and and pillage. That's a direct Rape and pillage. That's a direct quote, and um, of fishermen, of fishermen, fishermen, uh, uh, of, of not a vulnerable section of society. I no, no, think. I've seen uh, quite a lot of commercial fishermen, Joel, and uh, they tend to be large human beings. I would have thought uh, raping and pillaging them, well, you'd really want to know what you were doing before you uh, started. <laughs> they tend to carry knives, I believe, <laughs> Very quite sharp knives. large, sharp knives. Yes, which uh, is uh, something that Deb Franklinton found out about later. But uh, look, I think that was the moment of the Queensland election. I thought that was incredibly funny. I really like the fact that James Ashby, someone who should have left politics the minute he gave shit to uh, Slipper some time ago, won't go into that. But Jesus Christ, can you please just disappear? This line has got to be the nail in his coffin. But. Typical Ashby, he'll raise like a phoenix and he'll start the I don't like Muslims party or something and God forbid, we'll never be rid of him. Yes, look, he is uh, going to be the detritus on uh, on the political sphere in Australia for a very, very long time to come. Uh, look, um, Deb Frecklington, we must uh, not let her uh, <laughs> go past uh, without a bit of a mention as she leaves. Uh, the hapless Deb Frecklington who... Uh, made announcements. She probably hit her straps, I reckon, uh, with about 48 hours uh, before polling day. Uh, and the rest of the time, it was a bumbled, stumbled, uh, shambles uh, of a campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, when she did come to, very graciously, it must be said, concede defeat, she also said she was going to stay on as leader of the LMP. Uh, and that remained in place for about five minutes. Yeah, very, very optimistic she was until she <laughs> realised uh, there would be a tap on the shoulder. And as she turned around, she'd see a lot of very, very sharp knives aimed in her general direction. And she decided uh, there and then that she was going to spend more time with the family. Uh, the dog barks uh, at her when she, uh, on the rare occasion, she turns up at home. And uh, that should change now. But I just wanted yes. to say one thing, John. When we talk about the hapless Deb, it's not just the hapless Deb, it's the LNP generally now. See, they have not been, they've, well, they've been in power for six years since 1989. And now Anastasia has been uh, elected for four more years. That's six years out of 35. That's not yeah. successful. No, the ghost of Joe has never left the state. Yeah, well, of course, uh, when we think about the Trumpster, it, it, uh, and the troubles that he's uh, having here and talk of him locking himself in the Oval Office and refusing to come out unless someone gets him a bucket of KFC chicken. Um, <laughs> we did find the same thing with uh, J.B. Peterson, Sir J.B. Peterson, I should say. Yes, uh, when uh, when he found that, uh, <laughs> that he was in a deep amount of shit, he locked himself in uh, the Premier's office I in Brisbane. And it was only it was only our dear departed friend Russ Hins who banged on the door and said, "Joe, mate, it's over. You can come out. It's yeah. done." And uh, <laughs> uh, poor old Sir Joe just didn't realise it was fucked, or maybe maybe he did, and uh, he just wasn't. He just thought the longer he stayed in the office, the better it felt for him. Brilliant. I did not know that. I quite like that little piece of yeah, uh, Jack trivia little, there. Lovely little story, yes. Uh, lovely little story about uh, how Russ basically tried to leave a Sir Joe out of his office. Uh, but you've been looking at uh, other areas of the campaign and some of the yes. Labor campaign, Joe. 
A more millennial take on the whole thing is the interesting part where uh, this is more or less the first election that Jordan Shanks has mobilised for. You know, friendly Geordies, friendly the YouTuber. Friendly yeah. Who, you know, he's a very controversial, very sticky kind of character yeah. that, uh, you know, rubs a lot of people the wrong way. But rubs me up the wrong way, I've got to tell you. Right now. I but tell anyway. you what, he, he's he's been very effective in this campaign. And by effective, I mean uh, like about 10% of what they say, but quite a lot. So... He really wanted to keep Jackie Trout. He spoke her up a lot, really had a lot to say for her, but the formidable union between the LNP and the Greens was too much to overcome. So it's another inner city seat that's gone to the Greens and look, so it goes. But he formed this group called the Common Sense Brigade, which is a bit of a sort of meme brigade, but also like a ground crew of annoyed lefty millennial types that figured they were probably going to win the election single-handedly because let's face it, if you don't think that you're everything, then you're nothing when it comes to Instagram. So while they still believe they are the real reason that Queensland went Labor, the Shanks thing of rallying volunteers and campaigning for Labor in the future is something I think it'd be very interesting to keep an eye on because like... I've done some volunteering in the past and it's been through friends who have been very persistent and really brilliant. Emily, well done. And I did give up some weekends, but let's face it, branches are boring and they're run by sycophantic nerds and yes. charisma- a charismatic leader like Jordan Shanks, love him or hate him, to convince the kids to give up their Sundays to go do letterbox drops and do door knocking may actually end up being an interesting ground game advantage that liberals just do not have. Because let's face it, there's not much rallying on university campuses. A lot of traditional campaign uh, avenues are all dried up. So let's face it, if the liberals have got a response to this, I'm looking forward to it because I cannot see a charismatic millennial in the bunch of them. But Jordan Shanks has made it quite clear that the next election, I think, is going to have a very friendly Geordie's vibe to it, and you're going to see a lot of snarky YouTuber types at a polling booth near you. Ah, uh, yes. Look, that's probably where our politics is going in this country. We can expect to see more of friendly Geordies about the place. I'm not sure whether that's a very good thing, but this was all. <laughs> this was all just the undercard, you know, a couple of clown, couple of featherweight clowns. Having a bit of a biff in the squared circle. And uh, the real heavyweights would yet to come on stage and start thumping each other. Uh, and, of course, we're talking now about uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And for me, the most amusing thing about the camp was that at first, with many votes to come, I mean, millions of votes, including post- postals, which uh, would go on to favour Biden almost 70-30, we saw a lot of commentators here and overseas acclaim Trump as the victor, as an electoral magician, a god, uh, only to condemn him as a flop and a failure 24 24 hours later without so much as a sly look. And the commentators aren't paid to be right, Joel. They are paid to be certain. But you've been peering into the darker recesses, the shit-stained ugliness of the lunatic right, and and how they've coped with uh, what must be a terrible shock. Yeah, it's been very interesting. Uh, the Twitterverse is a funnier one. Um, Facebook, to be fair, a lot of this stuff's been actually shut down. So a lot of my groups on Facebook, there's not much going on. The best claim I really like is that uh, Trump has watermarked ballots to catch fraud and mm. that the entire electoral process has been captured by a blockchain. Now, I kind of know how blockchain works. I don't think they're referring <laughs> to it in the way blockchain exists, but... To give them a real idea of how firm their grasp on blockchain is, they believe that a traditional horse bit pattern that Gucci sells as her dress. Well, hang on. So this is a, this is a, one of Melania Trump's dresses. They've, they've, yes. they've taken the imprint from that, and that will be that is the watermark on the ballots. That's- that's something to do with blockchain. Honestly, their grip on reality is so tenuous that it's just bizarre that somehow this is a factor in their thoughts. So it's 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 genuinely bizarre. And the thing that I find amazing about this whole thing is that in amongst all these claims of vote rigging, let's not forget, Trump has lost the popular vote by several million votes. Yeah, a little There's bit a-, a little bit less than was expected in polling, but yes, he's probably going to lose by about five or six million votes once we get them all in. It's ridiculous. They're nitpicking about the electoral college votes with this like, you know, illegal votes, dead people. I mean, the evidence on that is so tenuous. I've been looking and it just looks flawed. To me, it looks like a lot of database errors, but that's the whole of the story. So I'm not gonna get nerdy talking- on you. Sorry, Joe, when we're talking about watermark ballots issued by the Trump campaign, wouldn't that actually constitute electoral fraud in itself? Absolutely. 
this is the state-based organizations that are not meant to be interfered with by a federal body. And I mean, the well, idea anyone. of coordinating. Yeah. It's not <laughs> Absolutely. As if you take a ballot away and get it reprinted with a water with a watermark in it. One of my favorite things about this is that they say that the uh, the the watermark is UV activated, and that is why the um the the, the counting officers were puting uh, uh like barricades bar- barricading the windows ah, with yes. black tape. You know why That's- they were doing that? Because there were several armed people <laughs> out the front. That's why they That's- barricaded the fucking things. Nervous. They were. Having your heads down over the ballot papers, trying to count them, uh, with a couple of blokes who are heavily armed out the front, taking not well, not taking pot shots at them, but could be taking pot shots. Fucking hey, they absolutely could be. I mean, look, you know, there was a uh, a thing we'll, we'll discuss later with a few kids in a jeep. I tell you what, I would be blacking out those windows because the <laughs> idea of my head in a bloody Bushnell scope, waiting for a three hundred three round to go through my skull, what? no. While just you, while you're casually, while you're casually counting, for, for about seven dollars seventy an hour. So look, I just, I just think that the thing that needs to be really ironed out here is that Trump has lost the popular vote, and he got less votes than the sleepy guy that campaigned from the basement, and that's it. And the reason why Sleepy Joe got more votes than Obama, caused history, all that sort of stuff, is not because it's a fucking conspiracy. It's because people hate Trump. And people turn up to vote against Trump. This is one of the reasons why there'd be a discrepancy between the Senate and the presidential uh, numbers. People might be happy with their senator. Some of these people are hardcore Republicans who would never dream of uh, voting Democrat, but they voted against Trump because your guy is a fucking asshole and seeing the back of him is going to be the best thing happen in a fucking awful year. We saw some very, very unusual down ballot. Uh, results where clearly uh, a lot of people were vote, would vote uh, Democrat for congressional members and senators, but didn't do so with uh, with the Donald on the top line, and 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 that is uh, uh, odd in itself. So there was a la- large number of Republican voters, uh, perhaps registered, perhaps independent voters who lean Republican, who were who were, were saying no, thank you, Donald, but I'll certainly have a look at the the, the down ballot candidates there. So what we saw, I think, is a net gain in uh, the House for uh, for the GOP of around about nine seats. It's, it doesn't give them a, a majority. It just yeah. narrows that margin in the House. And in the Senate, we've got some very... Uh, uh, very interesting results. Shall we do that now, or shall uh, we? Shall we talk uh, <coughs> uh, talk a little bit ma- a bit, bit more about uh, some of the uh, some of the darker QAnon responses? Save yourself for a moment, because I tell you what, there's a couple of things I'd like to cover here. One thing I thought was really interesting, and this carries on with the fact that Facebook are doing their due diligence when it comes to silencing insanity, not censorship. Don't fucking whinge. It's silencing dangerous misinformation and violent calls to action. So don't fucking whinge that someone's stopping you from putting up a pot pie recipe. When you start talking about loading magazines to take them to fucking voter counting facilities. No, you're not, not, you you were never allowed to do that. What even is freedom of speech? So there was this Stop the Steal Facebook page, which had 350,000 followers. And honestly, I was one of them. So I reckon it was probably about 150K actual people who were wingnuts. And the rest of us were just watching going, oh my God, look what the fuck these guys are posting. It was a cesspool of Q activity. The threats of violence and general civil unrest were like bordering on real, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. tangible, tangible threats. Yes. So. Facebook shut that down and all the usual fuckwits are whinging about, uh, you know, censorship, censorship. I'm sorry, you don't get to talk about militia uprising based on the back of a complete lie by a sycophantic KFC eating fucking a fucking bunker somewhere and then say, oh, but why did you stop me from talking about it? I'm sorry, did you not have parents? If you were sitting in the lounge room organizing a fucking armed uprising, your parents would tell you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Daddy Zuck has taken care of things, and I tell you what, I'm on his side. Well, he's done uh, He's done quite well. But the other thing that I think is quite interesting is that at, at least at this stage, the those uh, people, the militia, the militia groups and what have you, sort of sitting around fingering their weapons, we always thought that they were going to be a problem in this post-election phase, but they've actually been very, very quiet. Yeah. And what we've seen in the past is that uh, when the FBI go out and make a few violent arrests, and that often includes mm-hmm. putting putting a couple in the 
couple yes. of back of the, couple in the back of the head of, uh, of the lead boy of that particular militia, uh, they, is that they all go very, very quietly, quietly yes. after that. They drop their weapons and wander off back uh, wander off back to their homes. After the reality that. sinks in a little bit. Yeah, and I suspect we're seeing a bit of this now. I mean, look, it's obviously going to be a very unstable sort of 11 weeks uh, with the Trumps still in the White House. But that early, while there have been calls to arms all over the place, and there has been a... Uh, a particular uh, a particular issue in was it Philadelphia? Yeah. Um, uh, that for the most part, uh, these uh, sort of violent groups have uh, have not. Uh, well, they've sat back. I suspect in a state of in a state of shock. Yeah, I mean, like the one thing was that the the Pennsylvania thing. Basically, a jeep covered in cube bumper stickers, full of anons, packing AR-15s. They were intercepted on the way to Pennsylvania, basically on a tip off. <laughs> <laughs> apparently they were going to go there and straighten things out with the vote count. Yeah, yeah, straighten so, things out, yes. Yeah. I mean, like what that means, the word straighten things out is never going to mean the same to me again after this because to me that is a <laughs> chilling set of words when put in this context. Oh, look, it's, it's, uh, it has been used as a euphemism for horrible things for a very long time. Uh, the, we're just going to straighten this thing out here yes. uh, while we're heavily armed. <laughs> Um, but um, no, nothing good can come from that. Yeah, and of course no. they, they were they were locked up and charged with some fairly serious offences uh, by uh, Philly's uh, finest. Good. Yes, indeed. Oh, good, good. And uh, not only that, but of course, because this whole thing is a complete fucking nightmare. Vote counters were being docked yes. by conspiratorial right wingers because they have these bloody election supervisors. It's one of the things that Trump has been really arcing on about the fact there weren't enough election supervisors. Now, we have it known that Vincent Fusker in Allegheny County was a vote counter for the Republicans. He is a massive Q figure who literally believes, well, at least likes to say on social media, that he is the reincarnation, well, not the reincarnation, that he's JFK Jr. JFK Jr. didn't die. Vincent Fusker is JFK Jr. You have this absolute wingnut. He's one of the supervisors there. He's filming the whole thing. So it turns out that one of these cute nutters has gone about finding out one of the vote counters. And they say that he was throwing out a ballot and a video was uploaded to Twitter, which included his personal information and license plate. And now he's hiding He's worried for his safety. This is a vote counter. I, this is you a guys vote counter. This is a guy basically, basically employed on minimum wage uh, to, uh, to to camp votes. And uh, and yes, uh, I did see that uh, his uh, his vehicle was photographed with his license plate and the usual messages put about uh, saying, you know, where does this guy live? So so yeah, that's that's uh, that terribly crazy sort of situation. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so you think, you know, we might see the end of this now. I just don't know. But what I can say is that that side of politics is losing its fucking mind. But while I do nothing but surround myself in echo chambers of people who are genuinely cooked and should be wearing ankle bracelets, there's a whole other side of politics, which I believe you follow quite closely, that actually um, is real and like matters, uh, like in reality. So well, do you want to have a look at that? Well, look, for me, the big thing uh, was uh, Trump's uh, speech on the Friday. This is the second time he's spoken. Uh, the first one was a bit uh, a bit crazy uh, when he basically declared himself as the victor and, and so forth. Um, uh, but then he got up in the White House press briefing room and uh, proceeded to say that he'd won if we only counted the, uh, the, the, the legal votes he'd won if, you know, Biden would win if uh, the illegal votes, votes were counted. And what was really extraordinary about that is that all the networks covered that. So all the major American networks covered that and then just dropped off, all with the exception yeah. of CNN and Fox. They stuck with it. But the, the rest of the networks around America, they cut back to their studios where grim-faced yeah. presenters were saying, I'm <laughs> sorry, we're not going to... We're not going to continue that coverage because the president of the United States is lying to you, yeah. and that was a that was a major that was a major moment for me that that, that basically said that the the, the, the Trump uh, empire was over. As a bit of a backstory, um, it was said from within that Trump camp that before his first speech, uh, the speech that he made Wednesday afternoon God's time was <laughs> was. Uh, 
was he, he he had walked around the room with friends and family there and strong supporters and advisors and said, "What do I say? What do I say?" And everyone, everyone gave him different messages, you know. And he started he started getting angry and and uh, was throwing throwing paper away and so he, and then before he got out, made this. Uh, made this rather extraordinary speech that he'd already won at this stage with millions and millions of ballots to be cast. I mean, yeah. the big thing with all these conspiracy theories, whether they're QAnons or whether they're in the Oval Office, the simple <laughs> fact of the matter is that Trump spent spent most of the last nine months telling his supporters not to vote by mail. Yeah. And when it, when it came to counting those mail-in ballots, they went 70-30, around 70-30 to Biden. And everyone expresses some sort of deep, uh, you know, they're deeply mystified by that information. Yeah. He actually told his, but don't vote, but vote in person. Come on the, yep. come on the, you know, on the, on the Tuesday morning, get there early, and that's when you'll vote. So basically, a COVID-stricken America very sensibly decided look, we should probably stay at home and we'll just get a mail-in ballot sent to us. Um, <clears throat> and don't forget it's winter. It's, just cold. it's cold out there. Oh, yeah, up, up in the northern states, it's very, very cold. And uh, and so, so, so basically, you know, and this was where GOP strategy and Trump family strategy diverged in one of the many yeah. cases. Uh, that, that basically the GOP were, were sort of increasingly frustrated that Trump was not was not basically backing away from this stupid nonsense that yes. that, that uh, Republicans should not vote um, by mail. So when Which is getting these, from cute idiots on Twitter. Yeah. You know, like. Look, what was interesting, though, was when he walked around the room saying, what do I say, what do I say? According to uh, the insider accounts of this, the, is that... Basically, the first thing that I really found interesting is that Trump had basically had a gutful. He'd had a gutful of being president. You know, he fears apparently he's a gibbering paranoid who fears that uh, he'll, be he'll be assassinated at some point. Yeah. He, he, he likes showing people around the White House. But when it comes to actually being president, it's a lot of hard work. You know, yeah. you've got to get up early in the morning and, and sometimes you, you don't get to bed until very late at night. Oh, and, uh, and so he's kind of a bit sick of all of this. So when he walked around this room saying, what do oh. I say, what do I say? It was his own children. It was Donnie Jr. and Eric and Ivanka. I don't know, maybe even Baron chipped in. And they were saying, look, <laughs> look we, uh, we, uh, we want you to fight, Dad. We want you to fight. Yeah. Uh, and it was that, that he decided, okay, well, I'm going to have to fight, you know. We like living in Washington. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we like the 24-hour room service yeah, at, at the White House. We like that we can just get on Air Force One. It's a lot cheaper than just flying by commercial flight, you know. Buying drugs directly from the CIA cuts out so many middlemen. I mean, you can't do that when you're out of office. Well, you know, and look, this is sort of ushered in this sort of uh, uh, got a demerang for for perhaps not the Republican Party, but certainly for the Trump empire. I mean, there's a lot going on here that we need to, to discuss. There's a lot of talk among the commentariat here and overseas, that, that Trump will be a force to be reckoned with in the Republican Party for a long time to come. And overtly that is true because he he's polled 48% of the vote. Yeah, right? he can technically run and, again. And, and they, <laughs> look, there's, there's, there's other theories. I'm not saying they're conspiracies. There, there are others that he might make some um, grudging concession to Biden in the coming days and then announce his candidacy for 2024. I tell you what, though, and, he might and, not and, pass and, a police check. Just uh, saying. <laughs> well, and the, and the rallies and the rallies start in January in in Tennessee. You know. Yeah, and, yeah, and, that's it. And, and you'll have some sort of alt government going on. Now, I, I'm not sure that I buy that because yeah. the evidence suggests that Trump is tired and he's just yeah. about had enough. He worries that you know when when you possess the sort of psychology that Trump has, the idea. Uh, it's great that forty eight, you know, forty eight percent of the electorate voted for him. Yeah, but when you flip that coin around, and fifty two percent absolutely despise him. Yeah. 
record that's number a really to tough, that, you. Yeah, it's a really tough thing for a narcissist to, to sort of gra- to grasp. Yeah, he's not mentally capable of understanding that as a concept. Well, uh, these hard numbers, yeah, look, there were people talking to him uh, in, in, in while the count was going on, ex- sort of explaining how things were going. Uh, one, one thing that was interesting to me is that basically around March or April, he started believing or started thinking that he was going to get rolled. Um, and, um, uh, and, and he, you know, they, he kept, they kept coming up with strategies. They all sort of ignored COVID. Um, and, uh, and he, and he was just, he was basically to say this fucking virus. He would refer yeah. to COVID as this yeah. fucking virus. So what's to become of him, you know, now, yeah. now that yeah. there's this, look, is he going to wander off in the sunset? I don't know. Is he going to play a lot? He's going to play a lot more golf. Yeah, that's that's true. But he's still going to be around for the Republican Party, and we'll explain why in a little while. But in the meantime, according to the New York Times, and the figures vary, but they're substantial sums of money, whichever way you look at it. In the next two years, an estimated four hundred and sixty-eight US million, or four hundred sixty-eight million US dollars yeah. that are loan, that are, that have been loaned to the Trump organization at some level or other will You're personally fall, liable will fall due, and 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 the Donald is personally liable for them all. Now that's big. When you realise uh, why he was so dogged and why his family is so determined to see him re-elected, that would mean another four years would mean, oh, the Saudis will pay for that or the Qataris yeah. will pay for that or the Bahrainis, oh, we'll just send you a cheque. But yeah. when he's not in power, they've got he's, yeah. he's got nothing they want. It's all gone. And, and so basically you are going to see... I don't think he's ever going to be poor, Joel. I don't think Donald Trump's ever going to yeah. be, you know, rattling a tin outside Grand Central no. Station. But, no. but he is in for serious uh, financial calamities. Someone who pegs their self-worth to their number of, you know, zeros behind their bank balance, he's just going to have a fucking meltdown. I mean, regardless of whether he lives in a nice apartment or a shit one, he's not going to be able to uh, reconcile the idea of being his idea of poor. It's going to be a spectacular fall and one to watch very closely. I'd like to see him body cammed up for the next three months uh, just so we can watch him, uh, keep an eye on him and uh, just see what he's up to. I think that would make just uh, perhaps the greatest reality TV show of all time. It might pay off his debts, actually. (laughs) Look, he does have a few media options. It's quite true. But, look, the Republican Party... And Donald Trump, this sort of Faustian pact that the Republicans have taken uh, out with uh, the Donald, uh, these are um, uh, these are going to remain in place. They, they will be. I tip- think so. Typically, at least for the next couple of months, because the way we have the makeup of the Senate is that basically it's 49, 49 apiece. And there are two runoffs to be to be held in Georgia um, in, in, on January five, uh, and that. I mean, look, uh, you 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 actually feel a great deal of pity for the people of Georgia who've just been through a sort of nine month presidential <laughs> election process, <clears throat> and they're about yeah. to be absolutely hammered. Their television will their television will be unwatchable um, because it will just be smashed. With uh, with uh, political campaign advertising, this uh, these two dual runoffs, the, the, the dual runoffs in Georgia will determine uh, the majority uh, in the Senate. And if so, the essentially, yes. Yeah, so the, the runoff thing here is that the, basically you've got a close Senate race, and they're going to have another Senate election. Yeah, that's right. So 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 basically, there was a special election held uh, where the Democrat candidate. Uh, won it with about 37% of the vote, and that goes to an automatic uh, runoff. The other yeah. uh, one was the one between Ossoff, the Democrat candidate, and one, one uh, uh, Democrat to watch, and a sort of hapless Purdue who'd been under investigation for, um, fin- well, various financial uh, issues that he'd had since the pandemic started, including some insider trading stuff. Uh, and uh, and Purdue led that election, but did not get more than fifty percent. And, and Georgia rules that determine that in That's the it. event where n- no candidate gets fifty or more, 
uh, they go to runoffs. So we'll have two two runoffs. Basically, if the Dems can pick them up, both they can pick both of them up. They will win fifty one forty nine, and uh, happy days for the Biden administration being able to get. Uh, a lot of legislation through. And well, hopefully, because it's yeah. not a filibuster-proof majority, which is the 60 seats, which is insane, which is what a bar no, will subject happen. to. That, that would never but, happen. But, look, we, what we do have is the runoff elections where, see, the, the, I think 13 senators that were up for grabs, uh, no, it was more than that, 30-odd um, senators that were up for grabs, uh, this time, it didn't offer the Democrats with a lot of opportunities. They had some wins. They had a win in Arizona. They had a win in Colorado. They won't win in Alaska. Um, yeah. But uh, when it comes time to the midterms, there are a lot of Senate seats uh, up for grabs that they could win. Um, yeah. So uh, maybe uh, they will sit uh, sit quietly. Or not sit quietly. You know they're going to throw a hell of a lot of money. There will literally be hundreds of millions of dollars spent on these dual runoff elections. And if, you, if you're lucky, lucky enough to live in Georgia, you know, you could probably just be, be hit upon by a party operative offering you, a, you know, $1,000 in the street, provided you right. voted for them. It's going to be like that. I mean, you know. I can't you, say I wouldn't take it, Jack. Well, look, uh, look, if they're offering, uh, you've got you to accept. I mean, if you, if you had an idea, you know, to run your own personal monorail, to have yes. your own personal monorail. Now would be a good time to ask if you live in Georgia. So that's going to be intense. But then there's this sort of 18, 18 months down the track where where uh, the midterms occur, Where uh, sorry, two years down the track where the midterms occur that offer the Democrats more opportunities and there'll be yeah. a lot of money thrown there. And so it, I would imagine it will be until it, it will be at that point that this sort of relationship with Trump and the GOP goes under yeah. enormous stress and... It's likely to lead to a very, very ugly divorce, if not sooner. Well, I would say so. So basically, you've got a situation here where you've got a 49-49 Senate with these two magical wild cards up for grabs in Georgia sometime in January. So let's face it, while that you might have a bit of election fatigue right now, there's actually one of the biggest aspects of control up for grabs in January. So mm. strap in. We're getting back into it just for when you thought it was done. No, but I tell you what. It never ends. <laughs> that, was a, that was good, mate. It's really good to understand where the Senate is at because I think a lot of people are wondering where that's going while the, you know, the pomp and circumstance of the whole bloody, you know, US presidential battle goes on. There's a lot of checks and balances that are not being discussed right now. And the 49-49 Senate number with the two runoff in Georgia is the thing to watch. And let's face it, if you're a political junkie, you never want the fun to end. So you've got something to look forward to. Put the mojitos on ice. It's uh, it's coming. We've got another reason to fuck around and find out, basically. Well, I reckon that was our deeper dive for this week, Jack. Ah, uh, look, yes, Joe, as political watchers, we'll always be busy, always be busy for all eternity. And I can see you're all fired up and ready to terrify our listeners with a rant, a screech, a shriek from deep in the soul that will not only make our listeners shift uncomfortably in their seats, but learn something along the way. Joe! Listeners, I'd like to take another moment to talk to you about Hunter Biden's cock. As we discussed last week, Hunter Biden has a wonderful cock. It's around nine inches, according to the fact checkers. And Hunter Biden's cock is so great, Rudy Giuliani has bent over backwards and probably broken several laws to make sure we all get to see it. Conservative Twitter is alight with fury and jealousy over discovery that their political enemies are actually quite well hung. But I thought smoking crack made it shrink. Well, apparently not, my friends. Apparently not. And I know, it's not fair. You shouldn't get both. But what does this really say about the US presidential election as we see it? Listeners, this election was not about Democrats and Republicans. This election was not about the soul of the nation. This election was about the cock of the nation. And I'm rooting for Joe Biden's cock. Think about it. Hunter Biden, a man of proven size himself, referred to his father as the big guy. I think we all know how he got that nickname. Clearly Sleepy Joe's packing a monster in his pyjamas. Grandpa Joe is not the cock we deserve, but by God, it's the cock that we need. So Joe's a plan. He's got a big stimulus package. He's going to win the Electoral College and he's going to make America gag again. Because we all know that Trump talks a big game about his cock. We all know he's a pinner. 
He snuck into the White House under his I've got big hands policy. But let's face it, after four years of heavy small dick energy, we know a lot better. The whole world knows better. We are looking at a big dick dynasty here. Fuck off the Trump family. There's not nine inches between the lot of them. With Hunter Biden as the new head of the EPA, the only offshore drilling we're going to see is him smoking crack and rooting hookers on a yacht off the coast of California. And if we're lucky, it'll be live streamed on Facebook. Order is being restored. It's time to take the country back. Tuck into some methamphetamine and root it in a hotel. It's the only way we're going to restore our collective dignity after four years of fat KFC fuel disappointment at the hands of a useless prick with a tiny dick. Troubling, Joel. Deeply troubling. Whenever I think of presidents of the United States, I prefer not to think of their penises, length, girth, overall appearance, etc. I just like to dispatch those thoughts deep into the unconscious mind where it can sit and cause me no trouble until my inevitable once in a decade full psychic meltdown. Obviously, there has been a bit of banter about the Trumpster's tiny hands, which, as we all know, is shorthand for having a very small penis. It could be the case. I don't know, and I don't want to know. Pansy. All I will say is Grover Cleveland was hung like a giraffe, and Teddy Roosevelt had a micro penis, which he more than compensated for by running around killing two of every animal. It was the inverse of Noah's Ark, was Teddy. Animals in twos didn't get to hop on board to avoid a nasty deluge. Instead, they ended up mounted on Teddy's wall. Having a small penis never bothered Teddy Roosevelt. He just got on with it, made war, shot blokes in the face, and ended up with his dial on Mount Rushmore, while Grover Cleveland only ever had a city named after him and a pretty horrible one at that. And this tells me penis size has nothing, penis size has nothing to do with presidential grandeur, but we're going to find out a lot more about that when Joe Biden ascends to the Oval Office. Uh, send he will, but there's no time for that, Jack, because right now we have a new segment which I'm very excited about. This is something that has been brewing in the bowels of the Trump family for a long time. Uh, I don't know, 30, 40 years or so. It's Eric Trump, like a bastard on Father's Day. Uh, thank you, Joel. As you know, I've been following Eric very closely on the socials. He's the Jan Brady of the Trump family, the overlooked middle child who needs a father's love and always gets the ass from the Donald. And that's why Eric keeps a steady eye on young Baron in the hope that he might fill Eric's role as the runt of the Trump litter. On Wednesday afternoon, God's time, Eric smashed out a tweet declaring victory for his dad. Love you, dad, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> We have one Pennsylvania, Eric tweeted, seemingly incapable of understanding there were nearly 9 million votes in PA yet to be counted. And maths has never been his strong suit, of course. But even in that moment of false triumph, I noticed Dad, love you, Dad, the Donald, didn't even bother to raise an index finger and press the like button. He never does, and Eric's tweets go unlocked by his dad and his love for his dad goes unrequited. Later in the day, when the Trumpster addressed a couple of hundred unmasked friends and family in a room in the White House dripping with the virus and announced he was going to fight the thrashing he was copying in the courts and possibly in the streets, the first man in the room to get to his feet and lead the standing ovation was Eric. Applauding wildly with a reverential tear in his eye, Eric stood there clapping like one of those wind-up chimp toys we all had when we were kids. And maybe the Donald noticed, or perhaps he didn't, because he turned and hightailed it out of the room, ignoring Eric and his constant refrain of, Love you, Dad! <laughs> and this left Eric with even more suppressed psychological scars. And I thought it was only a matter of time before he heads off looking for a clock tower. He didn't, though, <laughs> preferring to tweet up darkest cons the darkest conspiracy theories about electoral fraud, so unbalanced and improbable that not even Donny Jr. liked them. Poor old Eric, dumb as a rock, devoid of a father's love and lonely as a bastard on Father's Day. He's a good-looking boy. He's a good-looking boy, though. He's got that going for him. Yeah, he's a good-looking boy if you're into that kind of thing, Jack. Well, now, thank you for that, uh, Joe. We are into uh, the final run of the program, and that means this. The, the segment that all our listeners long for, sit around, sometimes they even rather foolishly hit fast forward just to get to, <laughs> and that is Paris The Week Lord. in Pete Evans. Ah, oh, bless. 
Yes, yes, it is a big week in big Pete week. Evans. Huge, big huge week. week this week. Big week. See, uh, obviously Pete Evans is in a state of uh, catatonic denial as a result of the networks <laughs> calling it for Biden. And while the world is looking to Trump to concede the election, I personally am looking toward Pete for that you know, final nod of defeat to really nail it in that Grandpa Joe's going to take the reins and everything is going to go back to the normal oligarchy, you know, elites running things thing, which I'm so much looking forward to. So the thing is, though, and this is what's very upsetting, is it's not coming. It's not coming. Trump is staying hard and Pete is steadfast in Sticking his spot. with him. Mm. He's still got MAGA fever. And thanks to this convoluted mix of supposedly watermarked ballots on a blockchain, several thousand or million dead votes, depending on how ever many we need at this point to win and this like you know series of rigged voting machines called hammer and scorecard i love those names and it just screams of the shenanigans of bush first score in 2000 like do you remember the, the diebold machines Jack? i do indeed yes yes yeah the hanging chads using, hanging chads using diebold atms always gave me the shits because i was like you fucking stole the election bro so it would seem that the truth is, you know, coming out. Actually, I believe it's in the post. Ah, uh, but the post is a ghost, Giles, so we won't be hearing too much about that for a couple of weeks. But that can't be all that Pete, Pete Evans has been on about uh, just for this week. Ah, uh, don't worry. Pete Evans has not been idle. I mean, look, Jack, I do not want to shock you, but Pete Evans has been sharing memes based on misinformation. And I know you love our mate Pete, the historian. I love Pete. You love Pete. Everyone loves Pete. Oh, well, how could you not? I mean, the guy's everything you want. He's basically a crack pipe in your mouth. So he wouldn't be caught dead fumbling a number. You know, he's a man of the fact. But it does seem like maybe he's dropped the ball here. Mm. Because, you know, obviously Postal Vote Pete thinks the election results are fraudulent. And look, we all do. But he reckons he's onto something comparing the number of registered voters to the number of votes. Turns out there are more votes than voters. Like well, in Nevada, it's like it's 25% more. 125% turnout. Well, it turns out, well, uh, no. So <laughs> essentially what he's done in textbook Pete Evans form is that he's taken a meme from David Avocado Wolf on his Telegram, which is a whole other rabbit hole, and this is the number of registered votes from 2018 against the projected votes of the 2020 election. Now, I don't know about you, but I see the fact that there's a difference between registered votes in 2018 and 2020, crazily enough, might be different. I looked up the numbers. Yeah. He's <laughs> quoting 1277, so 1,277,000. In reality, 1,821,000. That's Nevada. Pennsylvania, 6.5 million, goes up to 9 million. This guy posted the source of his numbers in the actual meme, but he didn't bother to fucking look at it before he posted it. Now, this, to me, really is just the absolute benchmark that is Pete Evans. You post before you think, and fact-checking is for losers. Now, I get it. Pete's a, Pete's a pretty cool guy. He's, you know, he's out there. He's he's not the kind of nerd that would, you know, Google claims. He he's, would not his he's not a no, mathematician. He's not a He hates maths. Because those people are dorks. But I just say, look, call me crazy, call me a dork, but if you're going to put something out to several hundred thousand, potentially over a million people, I just, I'd Google it first. I don't know. Look, I'm crazy, but look, that's, just, that's just me. <laughs> so Pete probably hasn't done his research. Mass isn't his strong suit. And what he seems to not understand is that voter registrations actually increase over time, and certainly from midterm elections where really it's just you rusted on that, that, uh, that, that file a ballot or put a ballot in at that time to a presidential election where you've had a major sweep from both parties, increasing voter registrations, and also you have a population that is growing, right? Mm -hmm. So, so there are more, re there are more uh, not, regist not just registered voters, there are more, uh, technically more people who can More fucking vote. people. Yeah, that's right. So Pete seems to have messed that up a little bit. Uh, God, God love him. God love his red hat wearing head. So the thing that I've found most jarring about Pete Evans this, uh, this post-election period is that post-election Pete isn't actually as fun as I was hoping because mm. when it comes down to Pete Evans, it's not just Pete, but it's also what he provokes. So he's got the usual Margaret memes. He's got this ridiculous confidence, this idea the whole thing is fraud, blah, blah, blah. 
the thing that gets you is the comment section. Uh, these I mean, are people who come in. These are people who love Pete Evans almost as much as we do. And, yeah. and they come in and comment and say, God, love you, Pete. Here's a few thoughts of my own. Absolutely. These are the people that basically form the uh, the power structure that is Pete Evans. And while I will give it to you, this podcast does surround itself in giving these people shit. And I do think they deserve it. I, I really do. Because let's face it, uh, you know, if you're going to be a pox on humanity, I'm going to give you shit. But there is this real sad normalcy in this lunatic fringe. Because when you dive into these comment sections, you see this vulnerability. This vulnerability and the humanity of these people because they were sold a lie. They've been taken by this set of lies, these conspiracy theories, and they've gone toward this death cult. Well, it's, uh, look, as I've always said, uh, it's only a matter of time before a cult turns into a death cult. And I think we're just about there with the Trumpsters, aren't we? With the Trumpers, I should say. Uh, this is the triggering moment where people start really wondering whether it was a wise idea to get on the bus. But they've got on the bus, they've paid their ticket, and mm. at the cost of so many things. These are people who have potentially stopped talking to their families and friends. <laughs> they've isolated yeah. themselves in this MAGA cult, which kind of relied on the idea of a great awakening and a great reset, which was going to, A, reset their loans, which is really funny because apparently a lot of people took out loans before the election, <laughs> and B, because of the Saraga, sorry, we'll get into that in another episode, mm. but holy shit, these guys are like, you know, I've been isolated from their families. They've been told to not talk about people who are like, you know, naysaying them. And they are genuinely terrified this has happened because the deep state has won. Trump, the light worker who was sent by God, has failed. <laughs> this is the end of fucking days for some of these people. Yeah, well, so, at least for four years, you know. Well, I mean, <laughs> but what's next? Like, there's no backup plan. Like, there's no, like. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing for them. It's the so, whole thing that underpinned this. Their entire life. Their pathological attachment to this cult has now disappeared. And it is funny. It is funny. But, I mean, like, it is also harrowing to watch some people who, I think mm. they've really, they, they backed the wrong horse. They're but not necessarily bad people. You they're know? not necessarily bad people. They're not. Like, you know, we'll go into anti-vaxxers next week and it's going to be a good episode. Bad people. But they're terrible I mean, people. But I feel for the ones who are the rubes. I don't feel for the ones who spread the nonsense like, no. you know, our friend Pete, he does spread a lot of shit. But the guys who are vulnerable to these messages who thought that Trump was going to save the world, the kids were going to be safe from the tunnels, and that they were on the right side of history are now starting to question everything they stand for. And because of the divisive nature of this piece of shit in the White House, they've often stopped talking to every sane person and surrounded themselves with people on Facebook that spending have played pictures Facebook. of dogs. Spending a lot of time on the That's socials and just immersing themselves in this, this possible future that has now been shattered before their very eyes. 100%. So I don't want to end this episode of the Conditional Release Program on a horribly low note, but I do think that we all need to take just a moment to suck up the fact that while these people are hilarious, the content they produce is priceless, and I absolutely plan to continue taking the piss out of them to the best of my abilities, especially for you guys, because let's face it, thank you for the last hour, but honestly... There are people here. And when you read through Pete Evans' comment section, it's fucking heartbreaking. This bastard of a person has led these people into the abattoir and they are now hamburger meat for the Joe Biden campaign. And look, we are I, speaking I'm, it's probably important to say that we are speaking metaphorically there because Pete very much isn't, so. isn't hurting uh, hurting people off. No, no, to be slaughtered. no. But, but he has... Uh, look, he has, among uh, other uh, uh, highly regarded voices in the United States and elsewhere, has uh, has taken a lot of people along for the ride. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's dangerous because these guys have vested everything. And, you know, I, I think it would be very hard to find between one of our listeners that no one knows someone who has lost a friend to MAGA, uh, QAnon, or any other cultures here and Watching it end, watching the end game is sad. So maybe, maybe, maybe take a moment to reach out to one of your, yes, your mates. I think that's right because this is a really critical time in all seriousness. That, that this is a really cr a critical time for those people. This is a really deeply traumatic time. Imagine investing your entire psyche to a bizarre idea or what other people thought was about a bizarre idea, but you just swallowed it hook, line, and sinker, and then it is yeah. over. That that it, just, that, that reality it's, it's has ended. And yeah. 
and uh, you don't know where the next one is. And uh, that's yep. a really, that's potentially a very dangerous time for a lot of people. It truly is. Yeah. And, now, uh, this- we, we, but, but we do hope uh, that they can find some comfort from Pete. Yep, well, well, I tell you what, this is not the end of the week in Pete Evans. The week in Pete Evans is almost never going to stop. So mm. let's face it, until he is deplatformed to a point where I can no longer find content, he is going to be a hallmark of this show because he is always going to turn up and he's always going to bend reality to him. suit his bizarre, beautiful ideas. We but love him. We ending love that on a bit of- and we love and we we love what he he brings to the conversation in Australia. He does. Uh, he keeps it spicy. Garbled, it's a sort of garbled noise, probably a bit like tinnitus, and, um, <laughs> and <laughs> but he brings it. He brings it without shame. He does. Uh, he and does. That's, and that's why we love him. And we, we, I'm actually quite looking forward to his post during the inauguration of Biden. That's going to be spectacular. And, yes, it will. And we'll keep bringing you the weekend, Pete Evans. Yes, we will. With the demise of the Trump Trump empire, we have the delicious prospects of many, many more huge weeks in Pete Evans. Oh, big weeks. It's always a big week. You have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your hosts, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel at at Crunchy Moses with a K. We've set up a Facebook page, which you can find if you just search for the Conditional Release Program. And finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the Conditional Release Program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's simply to tell us that you plan to feed feed us a rat sack in democracy sausage in bread with a little sauce. I like barbecue on mine. Thanks, guys. Catch you next week for our anti-vax bonanza. See you around.